A Hong Kong courtroom that tossed out a challenge to a US $21 million SeaTac award like yesterday's leftovers. Word to the wise, Hong Kong courts aren't the ones to tangle with when it comes to arbitral awards. Then the EU attempts to whip up companies into shape with their ESG performance through the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive. It's high time for businesses to up their ESG game. Then a thunderous round of applause for the Silicon Valley Arbitration Mediation Center for releasing their 2023 list of top technology neutrals, the referees of the tech world disputes. And in other news, congrats to Nassau University for winning the ICC International Mediation Competition, proving that the pen is mightier than the sword. And finally, buckle up for a roller coaster ride through the banking litigation world as Credit Suisse and other banks face the fallout from the green sill capital mini crisis among other bank failures in the early parts of this month welcome to disputes digest for the week of march 20th 2023 i'm chris campbell and let's take a stroll through the news and current events this week around the world of international law and disputes but before we jump into the news don't forget to leave us a review on your podcasting platform of choice and of course to share the show with a friend or colleague either here on linkedin in person or email it really helps people find the show okay now off to hong kong in a recent Hong Kong courtroom drama, a challenge to the $21 million SeaTac award was thrown out faster than a bad joke at a comedy club. The award debtor tried to argue that the tribunal did not give them enough time to prepare their case and denied their request for a second hearing and didn't provide reasons or justification for their decisions. To top it off, they claimed that the set-off counterclaim that the tribunal ignored was unduly denied. In response, the court basically said, nice try, buddy. It turns out that the award debtor never complained about the lack of preparation time before the first hearing or asking for an adjournment. The tribunal also followed the agreed upon procedure for examining further evidence in writing, and its decision not to hold the second hearing was a legitimate case management decision. As for the lack of justification, the court found that the tribunal's explanations were adequate and sufficient. Finally, the debtor never raised the alleged counterclaim during the arbitration, so they couldn't just demand enforcement be delayed or stayed at this stage in the dispute. In the end, the court ordered immediate enforcement of the award, stating that the debtor had a reasonable opportunity to present their case, and it wouldn't be, quote, shocking the court's conscience to enforce the award. The award debtor was also slapped with indemnity costs for their unsuccessful challenge, which is the kind of like getting the bill for making a bad joke at a comedy club. The moral of the story, Hong Kong courts don't mess around when it comes to challenges to arbitral awards. If you want to resist enforcement, you had better come prepared with more than just a sob story. And for goodness sake, raise your objections and make reservations of rights in a timely manner. Otherwise, otherwise you might find yourself stuck holding the bill. From there, let's talk about a hot topic in corporate spaces, ESG, otherwise known as environmental, social, and governance and its impact on EU-related supply change. This is the kind of issue that as a corporation will affect you whether you realize it or not. So buckle up and let's dive in. The European Union, EU, is stepping up its game when it comes to ESG factors, and with recent adoption of the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, CSRD, companies are about to feel the pressure. The CSRD will require companies to report on their ESG performance with a focus on sustainability-related information. The goal? To make businesses more transparent and accountable. But let's be real, it's not going to be smooth sailing for everyone. 
Now, the E was a major player in international trade, which means this change will have ripple effects throughout global supply chains. We're talking about companies having to adapt their regulations, increase scrutiny, and shift in priorities. You're going to have to adjust or risk being left behind, or even additional cost or expense as a result of non-compliance. But it's not just about keeping up appearances. Research shows that companies that prioritize ESG factors tend to perform better financially in the long run. So it's not just about being a good corporate citizen, it's about making that money. Now, with these changes come challenges. For one, there is the issue of varying ESG standards across countries. The EU might be setting the bar high, but not everyone is on the same page. This can lead to confusion, and make it harder for companies to know what's expected of them. Plus, implementing ESG measures can be costly and time consuming, and not all businesses will be able to adapt that easily. But let's not be all doom and gloom here. The shift towards ESG is also opening up new opportunities. We're talking about increased investment in green technologies, a push for a better working conditions, and potential for companies to become more resilient and sustainable in the long run. So there you have it, folks. The EU is shaking things up when it comes to ESG and supply chains, and it's going to be a wild ride. Whether it's a challenge or an opportunity, businesses better prepare and get ready for the changes ahead. But of course, with that said, I'd love to know your thoughts. What do you think about ESG requirements and their impact on global supply chains? Let me know in the comments. From there, ladies and gentlemen, let's talk about the Silicon Valley Arbitration Mediation Center, or SVAMC. An organization you may have heard of, but one that plays a pivotal role in resolving tech-related disputes. Think of it as the referee in the high-stakes game of Silicon Valley playground squabbles. Now, the SBAMC has just released its 2023 list of its world-leading technology neutrals. It's like a mini-Oscars for technology arbitration and mediation, but without the red carpet or, I guess, the Hollywood stars. These neutrals are the unsung heroes of the tech world, stepping in to make peace when things go awry between big tech players. The SBAMC itself is a nonprofit organization that aims to promote efficient and cost-effective dispute resolution in the technology sector. They are the cool kids on the block who step in whenever tech giants can't play nicely together. They specialize in solving disputes involving intellectual property, technology development, and licensing agreements. You know, all that fun stuff that tech companies find themselves involved with. And the importance of these neutrals cannot be overstated. They're an elite group of experienced professionals, including arbitrators, mediators, and former judges, who help resolve disputes, ideally without resorting to lengthy and costly battles before the tribunal or in court. The SVAMC's list of neutrals for 2023 includes experts from around the world, demonstrating the global nature of the tech industry. And let's face it, in a world where tech companies are constantly butting heads over patent and trade secrets, having a skilled neutral party to help settle the score is absolutely essential. So let's raise a glass to the SVAMC and their list of top-notch technology neutrals. While they may not be on the front of every headline, they are essential and crucial in keeping the tech industry from devolving into chaos. And if you ever find yourself in a heated dispute over intellectual property, you know who to call. Because nothing says fun like sitting down for mediation session with a tech-savvy peacemaker. Cheers to that. Then from there, let's talk about some more awards and let's slow things down a bit. And let's consider something a bit more nuanced. The intricate tapestry of human interactions where it's often the quietest voices that carry the most weight. In a world where disputes are all too common, mediation emerges as a subtle, yet powerful force knitting together the frayed threads of discord. 
This delicate art was on full display at the 17th annual ICC International Mediation Competition, where Nalsar University of Law emerged victorious, showcasing their ability to navigate the complex labyrinth of human conflict. The competition, organized by the International Chamber of Commerce, is an annual event that brings together the brightest young minds from law schools across the globe. These students represent a new generation of mediators armed with the wisdom to understand that the mightiest victories are often woes won through the softest whispers. So let's celebrate the success of Nassau University and the ICC International Mediation Competition. In a world fraught with division and strife, their achievement serves as a beacon of hope, illuminating a path towards a more harmonious and interconnected future. And our final story of the day, ladies and gentlemen, gather round as we delve into the exciting, riveting world of banking litigation. Yes, that's right. We're talking lawsuits, many crises, and financial institutions. I know, I know, you can hardly contain your excitement. So let's set the stage. A banking mini-crisis has erupted. You may have seen it in the headlines of the news over the last couple of weeks, sending shockwaves through the industry and sparking the first signs of litigation and potentially arbitration and other forms of disputes as well. What's that you say? Banks are in trouble? Well, let's stop the presses because that's never happened before except, you know, like every few years, five to 10 years or so. Anyway, back to the drama. One of the core tenets of this crisis is Greensill Capital, a supply chain finance company and Credit Suisse, a Swiss bank that's no stranger to legal troubles. Greensill filed for insolvency in March 2021, and as you can imagine, things have been a bit hectic ever since. It's kind of been like a financial game of Jenga, but with billions of dollars and entire careers or livelihoods at stake. Fun times. Now, Credit Suisse finds itself in the crosshairs of litigation with investors coming after them for their role in the whole mess. But it's not just Credit Suisse that's feeling the heat. Other banks are also finding themselves under the microscope and not just SVB either, as regulators and litigators start digging into their involvement with their involvement with Greensill, more questions are bound to come and a sort of domino effect could have play. Isn't it fascinating to see how everything in the world of finance is just delicately and interconnected? So buckle up because it looks like we're in for a wild ride. The thrilling landscape of banking litigation and disputes. The key questions remain. Will Credit Suisse and other banks manage to weather the storm? Only time will tell. But one thing's for sure, this mini crisis has provided us with a front row seat to a roller coaster that is getting ready to unravel in the financial world with ripple effects throughout entire industries. And then to make sure that we don't end on such a downer of a story, let's talk about this final piece. And it is news about a publication from friend of the show, Professor Gary Bourne, who has just announced his latest work, The File, which appears to be less arbitration focused and more of an action thriller. Born described his latest piece as such. Sarah is a heroine in a spy thriller which is being released on March 28th by Istria Books. The book is called The File, and I think you'll like Sarah. She is similar to many of us, at least from the start. But when she discovers a file of secret documents on the wreckage of a Nazi bomber hidden almost 80 years in the Ugandan jungle, Sarah's life changes, and so does Sarah herself. The documents Sarah discovers contain everything that she needed to know to access billions of dollars in secret numbered Swiss bank accounts deposited by the Nazis in the last months of World War II. Sarah's discovery makes her the target of two brutal teams of Russian and American hitmen intent on recovering the documents she's found. Chased through the jungles of Central Africa and then the Libyan desert, Sarah finally decides to stop being hunted and to start hunting. Ooh, sounds like a great book. 
And it kind of sounds like a little bit of James Bond meets Indiana Jones. The book hasn't hit shelves yet, but you can find pre-orders at your book vendor of choice. So congrats to Professor Bourne. Look forward to reading it. That's it for Disputes Digest this week. As a brief note, we'll be in Paris next week for Paris Arbitration Week and hope to see some of you there. And of course, we'll be the following week, as we've talked about a couple of times, in Vienna for the VIS the week after that. If you'd like to meet up, don't hesitate to send us a message on LinkedIn or to drop us an email at talesofthetribunal at gmail.com. This has been Disputes Digest by Tales of the Tribunal. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week. None of the views shared today or in any episode of Disputes Digest is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any organization or party for their inclusion on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees or organizations included appear on an arm's length basis, and their appearance should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved.